All right. Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing this morning? You ready for the Word? My message took a little turn this week. I, I was going one way, and I'm still going to start there, but it took a little turn. You know you're in trouble because I brought my Greek dictionary. So you're in trouble. It's a powerful message this morning, and if you can get a hold of it, it will change your life. It's going to go along or parallel some of what we've, they've been teaching, Ken's been teaching downstairs. If you can, please come to Sunday school. We just can't teach on every topic on Sunday mornings. I have to address the whole congregation. Some folks are really deep in the Word. Some are barely in the Word and different levels and different. It's very challenging, but Sunday school, they can really dig in, and they're talking about the authority of the believer. I don't know a topic that's more important to you, you know, very few anyway, that would be more important than the authority of the believer. It'll change your life if you grab it. I was talking to Mikey, and I was telling him this week, I said, there's nothing that's more contested in your walk than your authority as well. The enemy will contest your authority. He does not want you to know that you have power over him. Romans 6, 14, don't turn there. I want you to turn to Matthew 28, verse 18. Lord, bless the reading, the preaching of your word. Open our eyes and ears to hear the truth. Thank you for anointing me, Lord. I need it to speak a clear word. I still feel your presence, Lord. Thank you for healing those bodies, Lord, paying the price. In Romans 6, 14, it says, sin shall not have dominion over you. What does dominion mean? Authority or rule. Get this. Sin shall not, would somebody say shall not, have dominion over me. Say over me. And here's why. Paul, Paul is nice enough to tell you why. He says, because you're not under law, you're under grace. Grace gives you the power to do what law commands. Grace gives you power to do what law commands. Well, let's just start here because many Christians, you hear them talk, and I've recently talked to some folks, and it's very difficult and challenging to get across to them this idea that you are free from sin. They say, but you don't understand my struggle. Uh, yeah, I do. I'm human. I understand your struggle. I've had struggles. I understand temptation. I get tempted. Anybody else ever get tempted to sin? Come on now. And I'm, I'm sure sometimes we may even fall into uh, sin, do sin, and that's what the blood of Jesus is for, for. Our sins have really been remitted. When Jesus died on the cross, our sins were remitted. That's where the word remission comes from. They were wiped out. They're gone. Past, present, and future. Now, we do 1 John 1, 9 because sinning can disrupt your fellowship with God but it really can't disrupt your relationship. How many think you've ever sinned and you forgot to tell God that you were sorry or said you confessed your sin? That you didn't, con were you going to go to hell then? No, because your sin's been remitted. They're gone. They're cast into the sea of God's forgetfulness. But if you're out sinning, it can break your fellowship with God. And if you continue to sin, 
then you're in trouble. And I'm not going to get into that today. I don't want to get too far afield. My point is, is that you have power and victory over sin, even though many Christians, they can't see it. And it's right there in the Word. It tells you, right? Sin shall not have dominion over me. And here's what happens. When we agree with our adversary, we empower him. When we agree with our adversary, we empower him. When we agree with God, we empower him. So even if you're being tempted or maybe you're stumbling or you feel like you can't get free from this sin, I would encourage you, agree with God. Start saying, and I'll get there, I'm going to get there even more in a minute. Start saying what God says, even if you don't feel it. We're too um, sensual. We go by feelings too much. You know, yesterday, I didn't feel saved. I just had one of those days. I didn't feel unsaved. I just felt human, felt normal. I didn't feel supernatural. But I, but I was just as saved yesterday as I was on, was it, what was that day we talked to all those people at Speedway, Friday? Or, I was just as saved yesterday, feeling flat, as I was when I was like Tornado Brad for Jesus on Friday. I was just as justified. I was just as saved one time as I was the other. We go by our feelings too much. Or maybe you yell at your wife. She may not think you're saved. But that doesn't mean you're not. That just means, you, you know, you've yielded to your flesh. You've stepped out into that. You're not walking in the Spirit, but you're still saved. And you have to get back over there, and you have to agree with God. Tell your wife you're sorry. Say, Lord, I, I know I shouldn't do it. I confess, Lord, that was wrong. And then just keep walking in the Spirit because your sins have been paid for. I'm saying agree with Jesus. Amen. Agree with Jesus. The Word says in Romans 8... Chapter 1, there is no condemnation in Christ, and that's why, because your sins are remitted. We should be shouting. That's why you get to go to heaven when you die. Woo! says no dogs will be on the outside. That's not, not, not bow-wow dogs. Gentiles were dogs. Nobody outside of Jesus will get into heaven. No liars. No adulterers. No witchcraft. That's, that's not us. Amen? They're going to be on the outside. We are blood washed in Jesus. We are forgiven. Our sins have been remitted. We have something to shout about. If you found out today you were going to die tomorrow, we would all cry for you, but you should be shouting. We'll cry for you, but you should be shouting. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Don't cry for me, Argentina. I mean it. You hear I go, oh, poor Brad. What did he do wrong? Don't you say, start shouting for me. Maybe God just took me. He said, Brad, I'm just loving you too much. I'm taking you. Said, take me, Lord. Pam, give Pam the pulpit and take me, Lord. You probably get better preaching anyway. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then the 11 followers. I like that better. How many signed up for that? Um, uh, soul winning city quake. How many signed up for it? Who is at least through module into module two? You at least broached it. I know I am. Mikey, almost. You're almost. Anybody else? Pam is. Get into module two. I think, Mikey, you've watched it four times now. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, it's good. It's really good. 
Dan Moeller talks about identity. We, I think we have 12 or 14 of us that are up to 12 of us that are moving forward in it. It's going to be awesome. We're learning how to be activated to share our faith. And that's where I was going to go today, and I'm going to kind of get there next week. I may go there more, part two, but the Lord gave me a little curve. We're going to get there. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I can't preach on that. Isn't that incredible? They saw him risen from the dead, and some doubted. That just goes to show you faith isn't what you see with your natural eyes. They're looking at him, and they're doubting. I've never seen him, and I'm not doubting him. I know Jesus rose from the dead. I don't doubt it, not one bit. I haven't even seen him. These guys saw him and were doubting. At least they had the sense to worship him. Amen? And Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority. Some authority? How much authority? All authority has been given to me in heaven, period. And on earth. That's, that on earth is important. In heaven, no surprise there. Also, on earth, all authority has been given to Jesus. That's why the Lord told me in Wendy's week before when I saw those three guys and I was being led or moved over to witness to them, he said to me, you have nothing to be afraid of. It went right into my heart. Truth, right in my heart. I have nothing to be afraid of. It's almost, what's that one uh, uh, star? Is it Star Wars where they put that, uh, those guys put that little mind warp on them and they'll say, you have nothing to be afraid of. And they go, we have nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, what, who, who are they? Who are those? Anakin, yeah, but what are those guys called? Huh? The Jedi. Thank you. The Jedi. And they got these dumb stormtroopers. Forgive me, Jesus, but they are quite kind of dumb. You can't do it on anybody that's smart. But to go to the storm, you say, uh, you know, uh, you're busy today. I'm busy today. You know that? Well, that's what the Lord did to me. He spoke into me, and he said, you have nothing to be afraid of. And I'm like, I have nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> now, our problem is sometimes the devil tells you, boo, you have something to be afraid of. And like those ridiculous stormtroopers, you go, oh, I have something to be afraid of, Right? What kind of stormtrooper are you going to be? A Jesus one or a devil one? Amen? Don't listen to the devil. I went right down to my heart, and I literally said, oh, I have nothing to be afraid of. And I don't have anything to be afraid of. That's my premise. Why? Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, and he told me to go. You have authority to go. Sarah, you're allowed to go. Jesus said, go. You say, should I? He's saying, go, 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 go. Okay? We, he has authority, and he's given that authority to us. And what he's done there, think about this, what he did there was deputize them. I got the authority. I'm the sheriff. I'm in charge, and I'm putting that badge on you as my deputy. Now, you go in my name. And I'm giving you my authority. Amen? Amen? And Candy's saying you have nothing to be afraid of. It, you, you have to learn to walk by faith because your feelings will tell you you have something to be afraid of. 
We're so used to be. That is why it is so important to be in the Word. It's not so you can get brownie points in heaven like, I read my Bible, I read my daily bread, I'm a good person. No, that's not how it works. You read your Bible, you prayed because you're, you're in a relationship with God, and He's pouring out revelation on you. He's pouring out understanding, and He's in, equipping you, and He's empowering you. That's why you read the Word. You're not trying to check off a box and get brownie points, amen? God's not impressed that you're reading the Word. What He's impressed with is if you take it down in your heart and you act on it, amen. when you do, you, Arbor, will be like a tree, brush arbor, remember that? You will be like a tree planted by living water. That word will come in, your heart will get strong, and you'll be able to walk by faith. You'll begin to see things in the invisible realm. What do you think is more real, this natural realm or the spiritual realm? Why is the spiritual realm more real? It is. It's first, and it has dominion over everything earthly, is this earthly realm going to disappear? Will the spiritual realm ever disappear? It's eternal. When eternal smacks temporal, what gives? The temporal. When the eternal word of God smacks the physical, what's going to give? So when you get that word of God down in your heart and you believe it, something's going to give and it ain't going to be you. Amen? We'll go there further here in a minute. All authority, he said, go th therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in my name, uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I commanded you. And here, Brother Bo, is why you don't have to be afraid, because lo, I am with you always, even at Speedway, until the end of the world." If you ever ate one of those little sausages at Speedway that had been on there for three days and you didn't get sick, number one, you're a man of great faith or a woman of great faith, and number two, the Lord healed you because those things will kill you. If you, you want to get food poisoning. How long they've been on there turning? Those ends are as brown as a wiener dog. They're like, I don't think I'm going to eat that, Jesus. Yeah, I'm not going to test the Lord. I saw a homeless guy eat one of those things like it was uh, filet mignon. Yeah, maybe it was to him. Flip over to Mark chapter 16. We've got a few scriptures to cover. I want to cover this basis. And uh, I said, I'm going to kind of go back there next week, I believe. But I've got to get this other stuff about authority because the Lord really pressed it on me. We went through the Great Commission in Luke. And that's why three weeks ago, we got endued with power, didn't we? Who, who really felt the power when they came up here? I know, yeah, you just, some of you guys, really the power got on you. I had one man tell me that he came forward because he wants to see his son saved. And God met him there at the altar and put power. That's because God's going to save his son. Amen? Amen. Believe it. He's going to save his son. In God's mind, it's already done. Okay, Mark 16. I believe it's verse 14. My, my numbers are about that big right there. They're like that big. That's why I have to squint to see them. Later, he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table, and he rebuked them for what? Their unbelief. We won't go there. 
and their hardness of heart, which I preached recently, what causes unbelief? Hardness of heart. You've got a hard heart because you're not spending time with Jesus and letting Him soften your heart. If you spend time with Jesus, He will soften your heart. If you don't spend time with Jesus, good luck. Because they did not believe those who had seen Him after He had risen, and He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to some people some of the time, to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. Get this, in my name. That's the authority. That's the authority. We're going in His name. When you go in His name and bear His name, He's with you. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, I guess that they eat a, a hot dog at uh, Speedway, it will not harm them. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, listen to this. That's why we lay hands on the sick. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven. Now, get this. Where did He sit down? Would you look up 1 Peter 3.22? He sat down at the right hand. What does that mean? that he sat down at the right hand. Who knows? Just, just say it. What does it mean? Right hand. Next in line. Yes. Authority. When you're at the king's right hand, Joseph was at Pharaoh's right hand. And Pharaoh gave Joseph authority over all the land. Right? He had a ring, and it, whatever Joseph stamped, it had the Pharaoh's authority because the Pharaoh gave him that authority. Jesus, go ahead and read it, Andrea. Hope I'm right. He has gone into heaven, 1 Peter 3, 22, and he's sitting at God's right hand with angels, powers, dominions, authorities. They're in subject to who? Subject to Jesus. Guess where you are? You're in Jesus. Hopefully we, hopefully we get there. He sat down in a position of authority, and then they went and preached everywhere, and the Lord was what? He was with them, and He gave them signs to confirm the word that He spoke. Signs followed the word. They went out, they believed in the Lord, they acted on the word, and they had authority. This thing of authority is so important because if you get it, and it's not a thing you'll get in one day. You've got to spend time there reading it and rereading it, going back, because you forget. You'll have authority, and then you forget, and you kind of walk after your flesh, and then you get reminded. You've got to go back in there again and again, because nothing is challenged as much as your authority. I took my adversary to court this week. What do you mean? It was like my eyes were open, Chuck. Boom. I said, this Word of God is a legal document. Sealed in blood. What's a covenant? Think. I want you to think. Think. What is a covenant? It's an agreement. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. 
It's a, God says, this is how it is. It's my promise. It's my covenant. If I said it, I will not go back on it. It is a guarantee. Jesus fulfilled every promise in the Bible. He completely fulfilled the law. That was one covenant. He fulfilled the covenant that God made with Abraham. That was another covenant. That's why all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus because it fulfilled the covenant. So God is standing behind his word. And so I, I, I just like poof, a revelation I saw in the word in Proverbs 6.31, if the thief is found, he must restore sevenfold. That is a covenant promise. It really comes out of the law where God, if they catch a thief, he had to pay twofold. In the book of Exodus, I said, Lord, the devil's trying to steal from me. And I went to my heavenly father and said, Lord, I'm not demanding anything of you. I am demanding my enemy pay me back. Why? Because it's part of my covenant. And I spoke the word to God. I'm standing on this scripture, Lord. You promised it to me. He can't steal from me. Not allowed to. It's my covenant. I'm standing on this word. You promised me if the thief is found, it says in John 10, 10, that the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. He's trying to steal from me. I'm arresting him. Father, I'm before you. I'm before Jesus at the right hand. I'm believing your word. Have him put it back. And he did. And he did. Didn't he, Pammy? Very next day, he put it back because he's trying to steal from me. I caught him. I caught him. Why? Because it's a legal binding document. God will honor his word. If you will step out on God's word, he will honor it. The word of God says he will. You just you believe it and don't let the devil knock you off of it. That's why the word talks about winds and waves coming at you, right? He'll try to get you to be sense bound. He'll throw circumstances at you. He'll blow winds at you. You'll, you know, I believe I'm healed. You'll wake up and feel worse. Amen? Can be that way. Okay? He's trying to get you to be sense bound. He's trying to get you to watch the winds, to watch the waves, and to waver off the word. That's why James says that if you get blown around by every wind, you, God made you a promise. He will do what he said he will do. But then the winds come and they blow you off the promise. Don't let him. Get anchored into God. Get anchored. Don't be offended. Don't let anything offend you. Don't let people offend you. Don't let them. Don't let the devil offend you. If God cannot lie and he can't lie, don't get moved off the word. God will honor his word. I hope you get this. Ken's been teaching along this line. We have a gospel of power. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. It's to everyone who believes. You know how many got saved, you felt great, maybe for a week, maybe two weeks, maybe you felt great for a month, but sooner or later, the adversary came huffing and puffing and blew on your door, and you wavered and kind of backslid for a time. Anybody? I did. I mean, he huffed and puffed, blowing in. Because when he sees you get into the Word and get excited, there are going to be trials and temptations come your way to get you off of the Word. 
to get you to let go of it and let go of your salvation. That's why believers, we got to pray for people that just get saved. Got to keep them in our prayer because they don't really know how to resist the devil. He, tried, he blows into your circumstances and his whole purpose is to get you to let go of the word because if he knows if you ever get a hold of this word and you ever anchor down, you're going to be a fruit-bearing Christian. He don't want fruit-bearing Christians. All right, and um, I'm going to go to some scriptures quick. I wish I had more time. But in Hebrews chapter 1, I'll just start with verse 1. Hebrews 1, 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, get this, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What does it mean that he sat down? What do you think? He is resting. Yes, yes, yeah, he's done. He's not doing another thing. I wish I could go into Hebrews 4 and show you that. Jesus, one man was praying, getting some harassment, and the Lord said, I can't do anything more to help you than I've already done. What? He's already paid the price. He's already risen from the dead. You could call him up from heaven. He's already been, you know, sent from heaven. He's gone back. You can try to call him up from the dead. He's already risen from the dead. The word is near you. Jeff, would you look that up? The Hebrews, or excuse me, Romans 10 the word is nigh thee. I think it's around six. It's, it's close to that. Maybe eight. Maybe, maybe ten eight. Romans ten eight. I think. When you get it, just raise your hand and read it. It's important you get this. It's already done. That's what I'm saying. He's done it. He said, it is. And then he sat down. When you sat down, he's not getting up again. He's done. He's resting. You, I'm, I've preached on Hebrews 4 too many times. You got it? Okay, stand up and read it, Jeff. Did it say he was going to do anything else to save you? So no, you preach the gospel. When you believe it, it says... You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He doesn't have to die again. You just have to believe it. That's why it's good news. And in fact, all those promises that we're waiting for, they're already yours. He's already done it. He's just putting the word in you so you'll believe it. Come on now. That's why people fast. It's because we struggle against our flesh and we struggle with unbelief and we just want to kill that unbelief. So we fast. I don't know what fasting does against unbelief. The promise is already mine. Amen? 
And I don't want unbelief to stop me. The word is near you. When you are bold enough and you are brave enough to stand up on the word and believe what God says, you will find out that it's already yours. You can, it's like this, like say, for example, here's one thing, like you can, and I believe in praying for the sick and, you know, you, you notice when they pray for the sick in the Bible, Jesus always commanded, didn't he? So did Peter, so did Paul. They always commanded, right? Because they knew it was already done. They said, be healed, Right? Because it's already done, and they're just enforcing the covenant. You could be begging God. What if I stood here today? Think this will drive it home to you. What if I stood here today, and I came forward, and I said, Lord, save me. Oh, God, please save me. Yeah, oh, Lord, please, please, yeah, please, please save me. Oh, God, you know, what am I, I'm saying, and the, and the preacher would say, hey, he's already died for you, Brad. He's already risen from the dead, Brad. And he would say, believe it. Wouldn't he say that? He would say, believe it. He's already done it. And if I said, oh, I get it. I'm believe," Or I could leave saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. He's already done it. When I hear the gospel and I believe in my heart, the Bible says the word is near me. Read it, Romans 10, 8. It's in my heart and it's in my mouth. And I can speak it and believe it. Does that make sense to you? You'll see it's thrown back on you. You'll see responsibility is thrown back on you. The word is preached. God says, believe it. Why shouldn't you believe God? It's different, isn't it? We like to throw everything. I, I could go far down this road. We like to throw everything back on God, but God's saying, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you go. Is God going to go preach the gospel? No. No, you are, or it won't be done. Come on now. You're going to go preach. Someone's going to preach. Or How can they believe unless there's a preacher? Right? That's what the Word says. How can they believe in it? Someone's got to go preach it. We always want to throw stuff back on God that's our responsibility. And God is saying, hey... God is saying, I authorize you to go. Okay, I'm going to go through some things quick so I can end. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13. But to which of the angels, oh, I, I, I hit something there, like an unbelief. I can feel it. I can feel that kickback, like that unbelief. Said, mm, mm. Let's go further. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Chapter 2, stay with me in Hebrews, we're going to cover some ground. Verse 5, for he has not put the world to come, which I speak, in subjection to angels, but one place he testified, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him, you have made him a little lower than the angels, you have crowned him with glory and honor, you have set him over the works of your hand. Remember in the garden? Who did he, who did he put in power? Adam. He set Adam over the works of his hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. That's why Jesus had to become a man. Adam gave up his authority and his dominion through sin. 
Jesus became a man, and as a man, he got it back. Didn't he say, the keys are mine, the keys of death and the grave? Didn't he say that? I got the keys of Hades. I, I got the keys. I have all authority, is what he said. Now you go. He got it back for us. He got back the domain. Um, somebody, Sam, get your Bible with you. Look up Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. I'm going to keep going just when you get it, because there's one place I really, really need to get to. Turn to Hebrews chapter uh, 3, verse 1. Are you guys still with me? We're getting to the close here. I'll be closed within a half hour, I promise. Don't panic, new people. That's a joke. <laughs> 45 minutes. Pam says, when I say I'm landing, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Hebrews 3, you ought to read this Hebrews. It's really a good book. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest. How many times does it say in Hebrews that Jesus is our high priest? He is our high priest. Wow. The high priest of what? Our confession. Okay. Our confession. I'm going to, you could keep reading. Goes down into the same chapter. I think it's verse 16. Could be 14. He says, it's awful small. I think it's verse 14. He says, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice and do not harden your heart, as in the day of rebellion. Hold fast the beginning of your confidence, steadfast until the end. There's more scriptures, but for the sake of time, Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who is passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, hold fast your confession. Hold fast your confession. Now, I brought my dictionary, or my Vines dictionary, so you'll know that it's in the Greek, so you know what I'm telling you is in the Greek. What does the word confession mean? What does it mean in the Greek? Anybody know? It's part of it. Uh, the homologia means um, the acknowledgement of the truth, which is what you're saying. It means the acknowledgement of the truth. Homologio means, get that this is powerful, this is powerful, to speak the same things. I hope this is helping somebody. That alone is worth the price of admission. To speak the same things. I think it's Amos 3.3 where the prophet says, how can two people walk together unless they agree? 3-3, three, three. thank you, sir. How can two people walk together? So our battle through our whole Christian life to walk in the Spirit is to put ourselves in agreement with what God is saying. Not with what Brother Brad, I encourage you, every time I preach, I say, go, dig it out, get in the words yourself, dig it out, see what the Bible says. The Bible trumps everything. Read it, dig into it. 
But the word homologia, or it means to speak the same thing. According to my Vines dictionary, it means to acknowledge the truth. We are confessing our confession to our high priest, which is Jesus. And Jesus has taken our confession as a high priest to the Father. And it's all through this book of Hebrews. Over and over, he's our high priest. It says in Romans, I think, 8.29, and it says here in Hebrews that Jesus is literally a high priest, and currently, right now, he's making intercession for us. He's looking at your life. He sees where you're at. He loves you immensely. He has a fantastic, phenomenal plan for your life. He loves you immensely, and he's interceding for you. I think he's interceding for many things, but he's interceding that you get it. So you can conform to the image of the Son. That's what it says right there with 829. So you can look just, and so he's praying for you. And when you line up your confession with his confession, okay, he is the high priest, takes it to the Father. Father, they're agreeing with us which means they're believing what I said. They're believing in what I said. Let's send that miracle. <laughs> Let's send that financial blessing. Let's send that answered prayer. God likes to encourage new folks. He'll, all kinds of things. Just whew. When you grow in this thing, sometimes you got to stand a little longer. Don't be discouraged when you have to stand a little longer. Don't always happen the next day. He's encouraging you. Sometimes you just got to stand. I mean, you can stand before God and say, Lord, you promised me this. You're not arguing with God. You're really not. He wants your kids saved more than you. He wants you in your calling more than you do. He wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. He wants to heal you more than you want. He, he is moving heaven and earth so you'll agree with him and stand in covenant with him on the covenant of God. Hebrews says we have a better covenant than the old covenant. It's better. And it says it has better promises. So whatever the promises were in the old covenant, the writer of Hebrews, which I believe to be Paul, says you got a better covenant with better promises. I'm going to write it in your heart. I'm going to put it in your mouth. And if you'll walk in the Spirit, I'll guide you through the whole thing. And honestly, that's what praying in the Spirit, call it tongues, languages, that's what it's all about. You're praying in invisible languages so you can talk to God and edify your spirit because you don't know what's right sometime or what's wrong. And you're praying out these mysteries to God. You're bypassing your intellect because God wants to answer you so bad, he gave you a shortcut to bypass your brain even. It's your brain that gets you in trouble. And there's, I'm going to have to go there, then I'll end. But, and so you keep going through this in more places in Hebrews. Look up every time it says Jesus is on the right hand of God. And Jesus is your high priest. He is literally taking your confession to God. The confession of your sins? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, he, Brad admits it. He confessed his sin. Okay, we've dealt with that. They've been remitted. Yeah, they've been remitted, but he confessed it. He's faithful and just, right? That's done. But the confession of your faith. This thing culminates in Hebrews 11, which we call the faith chapter, High priest, better covenant, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, look at what all these people did by faith, because they agreed with God. So what's my encouragement? 
as I'm ending today? Agree with God. Agree with God. Say, so, well, Brother Brown, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't have to agree with me. I've said that a hundred times from the pulpit. You don't have to agree with me. Dig into the Word and agree with God. I don't care if you disagree with me. If you bring five scriptures and say, Brad, I think you were wrong about that. I'm, I'm going to say, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Brad, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> don't know why I did that. <laughs> Just irresistible, Ken. I don't know. Charlie's going to be in at three, he told me, by the way. I don't know if I told you that. That's what he said. <laughs> oh, Lord. It's the spirit, yeah. I'm, yeah, trying to get his head right, right? Guys, my, my desire is that we agree with the Word of God. We agree with God. You dig in there and see what God says. I've got confessions out there. I've got confessions. What was that one, babe? Yeah, we were down at the altar on that trip. Boom, got home. God answered that. Man, it's pr- God answered that. God will answer your prayers when you're standing on the Word. You may have to wait. It may come quick. It may not. You just That's up to the Lord of the harvest. I wouldn't waver if I was you. I wouldn't give up. I'll, I'll deal with that other, praying in the Spirit another time. So here's my question, question church. How y'all doing out there standing on the Word? Do you know, and I am ending. We don't, uh, I'm landing. We're landing. We don't judge you when you struggle and you come. It's okay if you come and you say, I'm struggling, Brad. You know, we understand that. You're struggling. We're not here to criticize you and put you down because you're struggling in an area. We're going to pray with you. It's good to agree with people. God gave us the prayer of agreement so we could agree with you. When you're wavering, I'll take your hand and... Oh, you had that scripture too for me, didn't you? Did you find it? Colossians 1.13. Go ahead and read it. The son he loves. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Isn't that powerful? You're rescued. You're already rescued. He's not going to rescue you. You are rescued. You should go through this whole week and say, I'm rescued. I've been delivered from the power of darkness. I am delivered. That's what he said. I am delivered from the power of darkness. And I've been translated into God's kingdom, the kingdom of his son. I'm going to stand right there and I'm going to live in God's kingdom. I'm not under the power of darkness. When I go through my Bible and I find out whatever is darkness, I've been rescued from it. Anything that's darkness, I've been rescued from it. And I've been translated into God's kingdom. Anything that's kingdom, that's mine. Anything that's darkness, that belongs to the devil. I'll just give it back. Devil, you can have that back. Kingdom, mine. Darkness, devil. Amen? Amen. Who wants to walk in the kingdom? We're going to agree with you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to stand with you. You're going to stand with me. Amen? And get this done. Here's my question. I don't know. I don't see necessarily anybody out there. Is there anyone out there? Just throw your hand up and tell me that you right now do not believe that you have been translated or have never received that gift 
where you've been translated into God's kingdom, and you want to receive that gift where you're placed in the kingdom of God. Anybody? I don't see anybody that looks like that might fit them. I'll pray with you. It'll be yours, just like that. When you believe it, just like that. If you've got sin in your life, start standing against it. Believe the gospel that you're free from it. Don't, don't, don't go that way. Amen? All right. I'll probably next week talk more about the going aspect and the authority to go. I don't know. We'll see. But folks, be in the Word. Be standing on the Word. Be agreeing with God. Rodney, it's good to see you. You look so much better. Amen. All right, Father, I thank you for this uh, great house of people here today. Lord, thank you for the brethren. Thank you for Ken downstairs teaching the authority of the believer. Lord, we desire to agree with you and what you're saying in your word about us and about what you've done for us. And Lord, about this mission we have to go into all the world because we have authority. Let that anchor in our soul, Lord. Let that anchor in us, Lord that you're the high priest of our confession. We say the same things that you're saying. As soon as we find out what you're saying, that's what we're going to say. In Jesus' name, amen.